Hello, everybody, and welcome to this podcast. This podcast will be the first in a series studying the book of Revelation. I'm Brad. And I'm Scott. And this is not about us. really excited that you are here and you're going to be going along on this journey with us. I believe that Revelations is one of the greatest adventures you can have reading the Bible. Oh, I'm with you on that one. But before we get too too much further into this study, uh, I think it's important that we invite the author in. Um, and Absolutely. We, and we, you know, we get we get the information straight from the source. Scott, would you mind uh, giving us a prayer? Hallelujah. We thank you, Yahweh, and we praise you. We always praise you. You are worthy of all of our praise, and we just invite you in today. This is not about us. It's about you, so you be here. You take over. As Toby Mac says, you want to steal our show, uh, it's yours. Hallelujah. Uh, So... Thank you, God. We just give this to you. May you touch the hearts of all of our listeners, and you may, t- may you touch ours today. Thank you. It's all yours. All right. I want, at first, I want you to know something about my history with this book of the Bible. I have read this book several times, but until now, I have never done a full study on it. Each of these podcasts, I hope you will indulge me as I seek out new insight and new understanding for myself as well. I hope you will study along with me and and you will share your own insights. Revelation is truly one of the greatest adventures you can have, so long as you're reading it under the right understanding. I've noticed that many interpretations of this book have been done over the years by scholars, experts, and others. Many have tried to nail down as much about the book as possible, and there have been many debates about the book. Everything from which John actually wrote the book, what does it mean, have the events already happened or not, and so many other things, so many other topics. Many have attempted to unlock its secrets and to set a date and time of the events. I want you to know this is something I would never attempt to do because I think to do so is missing one of the finer points of the book. When I read Revelation, I appreciate that God the Father and Jesus the Messiah have shared or unveiled more about the Messiah and the ultimate plan of salvation. To me, this is the ultimate worship book, and this book truly is a gift to us. Truly, it's a blessing to us. Yeah, that's right. It really is. It literally even tells us this. I think to truly understand it and study it, we need to pray and be seeking intimacy with God because God has been incredibly intimate with us in sharing this revelation. I, I think we should just take a moment to consider that. God thinks of us as his intimates. In this book, you're going to get an intimate unveiling of our Savior, and see the masterworks of God. The book unveils many mysteries, but also has many more that we might just simply have to wait until the appointed time to understand fully. We will do our best to seek out what God wants us to know and see how we can apply that information 
on our relationship journey with him. My hope is that I will be able to inspire you to look closer than just the print and see the amazing picture of what has happened, what is happening now, and what is to come. What starts way back in Genesis is concluded here, and what happens here leads us back to our origins in Genesis. Time and space are God's to control, and it often overwhelms me to think that God is in all moments and outside of time. He is everywhere, but he is also in every moment of time. He mentions that he was, he is, and he's coming again. He is always literally in every moment. This is cool and overwhelming to me in the most amazing way. And if I could just say, uh, for those of you who have listened to our previous podcast, uh, where I talk about uh, the eternal God and being in existence at every point in time and existing outside of time. Uh, I just want to mention that uh, Brad and I don't uh, discuss our studies until we come here. We kind of want to surprise the other one and uh, with what we've got and, and inspire them too. So this is an amazing moment for me. We were not uh, connecting when we were going over these pieces, and just the fact that we were covering the same topic there is pretty cool for me. You know, it's pretty cool for me too. I get the little, the little uh, spine tingles because it reassures me that we might be onto something. That this is what God's wanting us to look at right now. Now, when the book of Revelations was written, it was written by a John. The, this John is on the island of Patmos in a small. It's a small island in the Aegean Sea. He's been exiled, exiled there due to his teaching and testimony concerning Jesus. John was in the spirit when a vision was given to him. I think it is important that we too are in the spirit when we study Revelation. Prayer and intimacy with our Savior should help us to see him more clearly and understand what is being revealed to us. So like John, I'll ask Scott, myself, and the listeners to try to be in the spirit now. And I think one of the best ways to do that is by inviting the Spirit in here. Let's get, let's get God in here. Uh, you are welcome. But more than that, we want you to be our honored guest. And I really do hope that you lead this conversation. Uh, Scott mentioned the Toby Mac song. Yeah, still this show. Because I just want to be the tool. I just want to be the mic. I want you to be the author. This is about you, God. And we love you, and we really, truly do want to know more about you. Now, in my study, I have concluded that the John mentioned here is the same John who was with Jesus as his apostle. Now, you mentioned something before. There's a debate over which John this was. I haven't heard about this. It, it, it's a more recent... Um, it's a more recent... Uh, um, idea that some Bible scholars have put out there. Um, I've read some things on the internet, and uh, you know these are supposedly big time experts. And you know I try not to, uh, you know I don't want to diminish anybody's opinion, but it kind of feels to me like they're just trying to create division. Okay. You know, but there are some that are saying that this is a separate John, um, that not the same John, not the same that was with Jesus as an apostle, um, and they, 
they argue that the way the book is written gives evidence to that. Now, to me, this is a different type of book than what John wrote, um, you know, in, the, in his other writings. So, to me, yes, it would make sense that there would be a different style to it. This style of book is, um, it's apocalyptic, it's about prophecy. Um, there's a lot of signs, a lot of symbols, a lot of imagery that is given to him. And it's also just the simple fact that he's receiving this. He's not, he's not creating it like the others. Right, right. So I, he's I, dictating. I would be careful. I, I, this is one of those moments where um, you need to test the spirits. When you hear something or see something, you know, feel free to test it. You know, I, I honestly believe that sometimes um, the enemy will use tricks like this. He'll try to convince people that it was not, you know, it wasn't that John, it was a different one. So now there's no credibility. There, you know, there's, he's, he's trying to mess with our history of, of, of what we know to be true. So test it, see if it's true to you. If it's not truth to you, throw it away. Um, but if it is truth, hold on to it and, and, and run with it. So to me, in my, my conclusion, is that this is the John who was with Jesus as his apostle. The same John who at the final Passover meal, the Last Supper, was described as the disciple whom Jesus loved and sat next to Jesus. And it was customary to recline on couches, couches at meals during this time, and this disciple leaned on Jesus. He leaned on Jesus, something that I think we should all consider doing. But also I think this shows an intimacy is, is not only okay, but wanted by both parties. Along with Peter and James, John is one of the main three, and he was a witness to the transfiguration of Christ, as well as when Jesus was in distress in the garden. Now, Revelation is the unveiling of Jesus, and he shared it with someone who wanted to be intimate with him. This shows me that the more chasing and the more intimate our relationship with Jesus, the more of himself will be unveiled to us. John is going to get a new revelation of Jesus very soon. In today's modern church, there is much talk about Jesus the Savior and, you know, Jesus that loves us and he saved us, but there's not much talk about Jesus the judge. But the truth of the gospel is that Jesus paid the debt for our sins, but when he comes again, it will be as the righteous judge. This is something we're going to see as we explore more of Revelation. But to get started, Revelation starts with an introduction. It says, the revelation of Jesus Christ, or Yeshua Messiah, which God gave unto him to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. And he sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant, John. So this starts with God. It then goes to the Messiah, goes to the messenger, and then it is given to John. Something that uh, I want to point out here, um, back in my early days when I didn't really study scripture, 
and I just kind of picked up on things as I was going along. I thought this was the revelations. And I think this is something that a lot of Christians uh, believe as well. It's not the revelations. This is just one revelation. This is an unveiling of the Messiah, the Savior. And then also, I think this is important. It says here, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave onto him. So God has given this onto his Messiah. I just find that interesting that that uh, Jesus has his own testimony. God gave this onto him, and he's sharing it with us. I just find that very, very interesting. And you know, on your on your points too, on both of those points, it's it's the revelation of the Messiah, and and it's just it's the revelation singular. Um, years ago, I, I taught this uh, in a in a youth group, and I said, all right, to one of the kids, I said, I want you to start reading, and I'm going to stop you when we hit something important. And they read the word, the, and I said, stop. And they were like, looking at me like, what? I said, that's an important word. It's the. It's not a. It's not one of many. It's the. It's, uh, it's indicating this is going to be the revelation of Jesus Christ that we're about to read here. It just it, it testifies to what you're just talking about. Yeah, very very important. This revelation is both from Yeshua, but it's also about him. You know, I uh also got kind of caught up in another word here. Um it says which God gave unto him to show unto his servants, but in my Hebrew version that word servant is actually slave, um, that he gave onto his slaves. And, you know, we think of slave as a kind of a negative term. So I was kind of looking into that a little bit, and I actually kind of got excited by the idea of being a slave to God rather than just a servant or a bond servant, as some of the other ones say. And the reason that I kind of came to that conclusion is, you know, there's an exclusive ownership. God exclusively owns his slaves. You know, as Paul says um, in 1 Corinthians uh, 6.19, you are not your own. You have been bought with a price. So that makes me think, he bought me, he owns me, but it's because he wants me. I, I don't know, I just kind of got caught up on that a little bit. Um, another thing about slaves, you know, you're in complete submission to your owner. You know, we, we no longer have to worry about our will, our personal desires, our, you know, the th we, don't have to, we don't have to get caught up in that. We just do the will of our master, and we know that we're completely and utterly taken care of. Can I go back real quick? Yeah. Because that, that's, that's really sinking into me. You know, he bought us, uh, indicating he wants us. And it's just, just the connection there. I mean, it's like, it's something that I knew, you know, but just the way you said it there, um, 
because it always used to bug me too. You're talking about Paul, um, talking about this. We're 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 bought with a price. You know, Paul was at a point where where he he knew we were heirs of salvation. He knew uh, Jesus had said, "I no longer call you servants; I call you my friends." Uh, he knew all of these things, and yet he still referred to himself as a bond slave of Jesus Christ. And I thought, why? What is the significance of that? Why are you calling yourself that? And I really like that imagery. We are purchased, which means we are desired. Um, God wouldn't wouldn't buy something. He wouldn't purchase something that that he didn't want. Exactly. And that's just why I was got to thinking about it. I want to be his slave because that means, you know, he wanted me. It's not, it's sometimes easy to get lost in the thought that you're not wanted or you've done something that, you know, you feel that no one can love you because of these terrible things you've done. But no, things like this show me that that's not true. There's no nothing I can do that will make it so God does not want to purchase me, does not want me. Um, some other things that I kind of picked up on, you know, the subject of being a slave. Um, you know, no slave concerns himself with obeying any other masters. His chief concern is carrying out the will of the one whom he belongs to. You know, and this is something that I truly want to do I, I'm humble enough to admit that I don't always. I'm sometimes still a slave to the things of this world or my own desires. But ultimately, I want to get to a point where I have singular devotion to the God of the universe who purchased me and wanted me. And then there's also the fact that you have total dependence on your owner. You know, the, the slave is completely dependent on his master for all of his basic necessities of life. You know, and that is something that uh, would be kind of nice, you know, knowing that everything is taken care of. You just have to do your job. You don't have to, you know, you don't have to take care of any personal needs. Everything is met. And then also the slave is personally accountable to his master and in the same way, you know, Christ is the one to whom we will answer, the one to whom we will give an account. And that reality will have bearing on how we conduct ourselves now. If you remember that you're going to have to give an account to your master, that will help you make better decisions now. So those are just some of the kind of things that I picked up on just that one word, uh, slaves, and you know it's different in most versions. Most versions will say servants, but in my version, I'm wanting to change it to slave. I want to be a slave. I like that. That's a that's a good way to think about it. Just adds adds some responsibility. Some I don't know. It's just it's it's there's a depth, there's a heaviness there that gets missed otherwise. Yeah, I, this is just one of those little things that, you know, I, I've read Revelation um, many times. I've just read it. But until you actually stop and, and just take a moment to consider uh, little things like that, like you were saying, the is a very important word. 
you know, it's the one. If you just read it, you don't pick up on that. You have to stop, take a breath once in a while, and just focus on what might seem like little things. And then you'll be amazed when you do that that you'll actually find that they're actually part of something much bigger. Um, that being said, I, the next word that I kind of got caught up on was, you know, shortly. So the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. So in my research, you know, some people had uh, different ideas on what that word means. I go under the assumption that when these events start, then they will all happen in kind of a short period of time. But... We also got to remember that God is outside of time and he's in every moment of time. So to him, even though this was written almost 2,000 years ago, to him, that could still be considered a short period of time. But I think it's important not to get caught up on, you know, trying to figure out what does that word truly mean, I think what we should take from that is that there is a sense of urgency. And I think that's why it's even more important to be ready and to be willing to share the gospel. I mean, even if these events do not occur in our lifetime, people die unexpectedly every single day, and they will face judgment. So I just got kind of caught up on that sense of urgency it is important. It is important that we don't put off something tomorrow because if we do, we might lose somebody. They will face their judgment and they may not be with us in heaven. So I just try to keep that idea in my head. There is a sense of urgency. And when I started thinking about that, I then started wondering about how long do I actually have? So something I attempted to do was I prayed to God and I asked him, number my days. I don't want to waste even a moment. So number my days. Help me see that they will end. And I have limited time to help as many people as I can. So. Oh, yeah. Well, I was just going to say um, I, I know that... Um I know that the, the King James Version says right there, for the time is at hand. And my uh, Hebraic Roots Version says in that, in that spot, for the time has drawn near. I don't know if that adds any, any other insight. Um, I do know I have heard teachings that one of the things this is talking about is the fact that the churches of... Revelations 2 and 3 are also referring to ages, church ages, periods of time that began as of the writing of this book or, or had already begun. So um, it's not necessarily referring to what we think of as the final seven-year period or, or the final battle of Armageddon or anything like that. Um, I, like your, I like the take that you know, it, it might happen shortly or might will happen quickly when it happens. Um, or like you said, you know, since God exists out of time, uh, to him, 
you know, if it's going to be 2,000 years later, that's nothing. It's a vapor. Uh, it could, you know, in comparison, it could be really quick. Uh, but I have also heard it said that uh, one of the translations is that the events of this book were happening and have been happening to all of us. Uh, our, my, my parents, my grandparents, my great-grandparents, the events of this book have been transpiring. Just not the very end, but this book is more than the very end. It, it, it's everything leading up to that. Just thought I'd throw that out there for you. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but uh, I think some people get caught up on that and they say, well, you know, which must shortly come to pass, then why hasn't it happened if this was written 2,000 years ago? And so my answer to that simply is, well, <laughs> to God, 2,000 years is a short period of time. But also, I think there is, you know, other ways of looking at that. Uh, that word shortly and just a it's just my personal belief that you know we should have that sense of urgency um, I think that's more important than anything oh um, I couldn't agree more it's, we tend to be uh, you know ah it'll happen when it happens and we're I think we waste a lot of time uh, not caring about uh, not caring about today you're you're absolutely right. I mean, how many times has there been some task, something that we don't want to do, so we say, "Oh well, I'll I'll get to it tomorrow," and then the next day, and then the next day, and the next day, we still haven't got the task done that we don't want to do. I would hate to find out that I kept putting something off, something that was incredibly important, even if it's something I didn't want to do, but it was very very important. And then I just wake up one day, or don't wake up one day, and I missed my chance to get it done. So, sense of urgency. You know, that's basically what I'm going to get from that word shortly. Now, when, uh, when we continue on here, you know, he sent it, uh, signified it by his angel, onto his servant, John. Now, I kind of talked about it a little bit, but I think the reason, this is just my thoughts, I think the reason that John was chosen to get the revelation and, and trusted to write it down is because he was incredibly intimate with Jesus. I think this is something that we all really need to strive for. Um, and when you do, Jesus is going to trust you with more and more. And you're going to get to know more and more about him. Now, John, in this, in Revelation, I think he is seeing Jesus in a new way. We'll see that in a moment. But uh, this is somebody that um, was very intimate with Jesus, wanted to be with him, wanted to be next to him, wanted to learn from him. And that's I think that's yeah. why he was trusted um, with the revelation. And he was, uh, when Jesus was crucified, he was the only one who didn't, he was the only of the men who didn't run and hide. Well, and uh, Jesus even said, um, basically, 
look after my mom. Yeah. John was given the responsibility of, you know, taking care of his mother, you know. I've heard too, I don't, I haven't verified this. I've just heard from several people from several studies. John could have been as young as about 13 or 14. I don't know what you've found. Um, I know in, in movies he's, He's portrayed as a young man. He's usually 18 or 19 or, or a little older in, in every movie that I've seen, uh, The Life of Jesus. But, you know, when he was resting himself on Jesus when and all this was going on, I mean, think about that. He's he's 13 or 14-year-old kid, and he's the one that didn't run. Right. You know, he's the one. I mean, you're talking about this level of intimacy um, he, he was essentially a child among men and just, he, he needed Jesus. He, you know, uh, I, I think you're right. I think it speaks to just his, his childlike faith, his, his ability to just say, um, like we all do the cares of the world. I don't, I, I, who cares about them? I'm not there yet. I think this is why God tells us to be like a child. Um, I think John expressed that. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I have I have read some stuff about that too where he was potentially much younger than we think he is. When you see, you know, paintings, of Renaissance paintings and all that, they always show them, you know, bearded and much older and uh-huh. whatnot. But no, I I personally have that belief too that he was uh much younger. Now not necessarily at the time of his writings, when he actually wrote these things, he was much you know, much further in life. Um, which Brings us to an interesting point. There's debate also about when um, Revelation was actually written. You know, so it would put him um, at quite an old age um, if it was actually written in the 91 to 96 era that some people believe that I tend to go towards. Um, There's some evidence um, that this would be accurate because the Christian church was starting to be persecuted and he does make comments about that he was also in tribulation with the churches so i tend to go that way um but ultimately you know it's it's kind of a small a small matter to figure out um what we really need to take away from the fact is that he was given revelation whether he was given it in you know 64 or 94 you know, right. ultimately, he was given revelation. That's what we should really focus on. Okay, so the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants things which must shortly take place. And he sent and signified it by his angel to his servant, John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ to all things that he saw. Now, when I read this part, he bore witness to the word of God. I was trying to decide if I believe that meant when he was, his actual gospel, John, and then to the testimony of Jesus Christ, was that then revelation? I truly think revelation is a testimony from Jesus about God. And I just found that to be particularly intriguing. Um, I have discussed this with Scott before, and I also like what he has to say about this. So, to his servant John, who bore witness to the word of God 
and to the testimony of Jesus Christ and to all things that he saw. Scott, would you explain uh, your understanding of three, this completion that's going on here? Yeah, um, now I know enough uh, about numbers to see uh, three is a complete and perfect number. Um, so I look for threes and I, I, I try to find what is, when three things are mentioned, what is the completeness of what's happening here? Uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, think of it this way, you know, depth, width, and height. That's the completeness of volume. Uh, past, present, future. That's the completeness of time. Whenever three things are listed, you have something that's complete. So I saw that uh, he gave witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ and to all things that he saw. What was the completeness here? It was the completeness of his witness. Um, what occurred to what what I saw in this was that John was testifying. I saw everything. Uh, there's nothing that's left out of this testimony. I am witness to it all. I saw the word of God. Uh, Jesus, he saw him personally. I, I bear witness to the testimony of Jesus Christ. I heard it firsthand. Uh, he told me directly, I'm not hearing this through another person. And all things that I saw. So he's saying everything he's gonna tell us that uh, God took him and showed him these images, He's not being told stories. He's seeing them personally. He's saying the completeness of the testimony is mine. Yeah, I really like that too. Uh, this shows that uh, John is doing his best to be as honest and as open as he can, which I believe gives him great amount of credibility here. He's saying no. I was a first-hand witness, I saw it, and this is what I saw. Um, now, to all the things that he saw, I mean, we're gonna, we're gonna see in, in later studies here some amazing, incredible things that he did see. We're gonna see, you know, the throne room of God. We're gonna see, trust me, it's gonna get good. <laughs> but I wanna- It's already good, Brad. <laughs> But I, I really like um, this next part. I think, as far as I know, this is the only book in Scripture that literally says, "Hey, reading this and, and uh, listening to this, you're gonna get blessed." So blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written in it, for the time is near. So with that, I'm going, to, I'm going to contemplate on that for a little bit. We literally are going to get blessed by doing this study. Yeah. I mean... And you know what? It even says right there, he that reads, singular, and they that hear, plural. And here you are doing a podcast on it. Wow. You... Uh, because this was intended, these, these books at this time were not books the way we think of. I've got a book, I've got the Bible right here. Brad has one. He's got several beside him. You know, it's bound up with a hardback cover and all that. They just had scrolls that were passed out and most people didn't know how to read. So they would take these to the scribes who would read them in the synagogue to everyone. So he's saying, blessed is he that reads 
and they that hear because it's expected one person's going to read this to everyone listening and and here brad you're doing it right now just blowing my mind <laughs> wasn't even uh making that comparison but i didn't know that's truth so i'm gonna i'm gonna end it there and and hope that you you'll feel the excitement for the next study knowing that as we continue on we're going to go on this great adventure we're going to see some amazing things but also we're going to be blessed by yes. the god of the universe absolutely to me that's that's absolutely amazing but this has been Brad and this is Scott and this is not about us <laughs>